My name is Andy. I help people live life on purpose. This podcast explores the mystery, beauty, and complexity of life through conversations with an array of incredible practitioners, all of them working at the edge of what's possible for humanity. This is a place for big dreams, bold creativity, and fierce hope. Welcome to the Wonder Dome. My guest today is Monique Schubert. Monique is a dear friend who I've had the privilege of studying alongside, learning from, and teaching alongside. She is a beautiful soul who sees life as an extended project to make the world more beautiful, more kind, more inclusive. She uses the tools of art, of yoga, of music to educate and inspire and connect. And she also is a Kapala certified teacher uh, and working on their lead faculty involved in designing their teacher trainings and facilitating transformational experiences, including their latest offering a 200-hour meditation teacher certification, um, which Monique is co-teaching alongside another dear friend and colleague and Wonder Wonder Dome guest, Sam Chase. Uh, She's been doing this work for decades, for over 20 years teaching yoga and mindfulness in New York City area. And she brings together a wonderful background of visual arts uh, that weaves into her mindfulness teaching and practices. She's also the member, uh, a member of the Resistance Revival Chorus, which is this amazing group of more than 60 women and femmes who unite to sing songs from various protest traditions, such as civil rights movement, the labor movement, and the women's movement. Infusing all of this work as a teacher, an educator, an artist, a musician, an activist is this deep commitment to joy, to stepping out, as she references in our conversation, quoting James Brown, stepping out on the good foot. And uh, in our conversation today, we start with an exploration of, of meta meditation, a practice of meditation that's about bringing love and kindness to the world. And Monique gives us a deep education on what that practice is and uh, a bit of an experience of it. And we also explore a deeply touching story about her father and the way that metta meditation helped her heal that relationship and deepen that relationship after a long period of estrangement. And then we zoom in into her journey with the uh, revival chorus, the resistance revival chorus, and the way that shaped her and influenced her and the beauty and joy that it's brought into the world. And in in the midst of all of that is some poetry and some music. This was really an open, lovely, surprising conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's get settled in. (sighs) And hear what Monique has for us. Okay. Boy, we are just coming in with some real silly energy. We were being silly. Zoom is being silly, dropping on us. I don't know if anything that we just said will make it into the recording. I hope it does. But if it doesn't, let me formally say yet again, welcome Monique to the Wonder Dome. Thank you, Andy. I'm really happy to be here with you for our conversation today. Me too. Me too. So um, I want to say a word of welcome and appreciation. and uh, And then I think you've brought something to share with us to get us started. So you can sit with that for a moment. 
Um, I am just so excited to have this space with you today. And um, people will have heard in my introduction that you and I have had a chance to teach together and share space together. And I've also sort of just organically looked back at my past conversations and realized that I've had uh, a few lovely conversations with other folks from the Kupaluverse. And uh, I'm really glad to have you in, not, not as a representative of that, that Kripalu-verse, but perhaps as a citizen of it and just as someone doing really beautiful work in the world. And so thank you for coming in here, Monique. Thank you, Andy. I actually kind of love that um, description, a citizen of the Kripalu-verse. I, like <laughs> I feel pretty good about that. I just kind of just kind of made that up. <laughs> Well, maybe from that, uh, from from that, I'd love to just invite you to read what you brought as a way to help us enter fully into the to the conversational space. Would that be all right? That would be wonderful. I was really um, excited when I got your invitation to bring some some poems, some quotes, some music, some things that spark and inspire me. <clears throat> and so, this is a poem by um, the the Zen. Uh, ordained Zen priestess, um, Zenju Earthland Manuel, and it's a riff on a metta. It's called For All Beings. Mm. May all beings be cared for and loved, be listened to, understood, and acknowledged despite different views, be accepted for who they are in this moment, be afforded patience, be allowed to live without fear of having their lives taken away or their bodies violated. May all beings be well in its broadest sense, be fed, be clothed, be treated as if their life is precious, be held in the eyes of each other as family. May all beings feel welcomed anywhere on the planet, be freed from acts of hatred and desperation including war, poverty, slavery, and street crimes. Live on the planet housed and protected from harm. Be given what is needed to live fully without scarcity. Enjoy life, living without fear of one another. Be able to speak freely in a voice and mind of undeniable love. May all beings receive and share the gifts of life be given time to rest, be still, and experience silence. May all beings be awake. Mm. 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 Wow. What was important to you about, about bringing that today, Monique? Well, I feel that this poem encompasses so much of what's meaningful to me in life. So there's the idea that it's, um, that the writer is empowered to bring creativity to the traditional structure of a meta. So I, I appreciate that it's built on tradition and then it has been activated with this personal spirit of creativity and, and playing with words. And I also feel like, you know, because meta is adaptable and flexible and, you know, can be personalized. Um, I appreciate that. I feel like Zenju has spoken to 
so many of the things that I care about that I might not have voiced in this container. And so it just feels it feels artistic. It feels complete. It feels compassionate. It feels full of heart. It feels reverent. It feels real. Mm-hmm. And um, it just is such an affirmation to me of like the path and that there are other folks on this path. And it just always sort of energizes me and lifts me up. So when I was invited to bring words that are really meaningful to me, this was top of mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that piece before, and I'm so glad you shared it. It was um, particularly as it turns out here on Earth Day that we're recording this conversation. It really spoke to the the sort of planetary consciousness or perspective that might allow for the kind of grace and space and well-being that uh, I just love to live in and love for my my loved ones to live in and for my children to live in and for every being as Zenju says to live in. So thank you for presencing that. I agree. I think it's like, it's, it it is also imagining a beautiful world, right? Mm. I hadn't, hadn't seen that aspect of it, but I'm appreciative that you spoke to that. Mm. Mm. Could you say for those who might not know the word, could you say uh, a little bit about what meta is more broadly and, and sort of you should, how, how, how that poem you, how you understand that poem fitting into that tradition? Yes. Yeah. So metta is a a Buddhist practice of meditation where um, it typically is organized around repeated phrases that one would say silently internally. Um, The phrases, although they're traditional, there is some variation. So when I first learned them, it was like, may I be happy and peaceful? May I be healthy and strong? May I be safe and protected? May I live my life with ease and well-being. Hmm. Those were the phrases I was first introduced to and introduced to doing it um, first for myself for some time. And then for loved ones, friends, helpers, then for neutral people or strangers. Hmm. And then for difficult people or people that I've, you know, experienced as difficult hmm. for me. Hmm. And then the the fifth category would be to include all beings Mm, mm. which of course every other you know uh, category i just mentioned fits into that and it expands out um i've often thought about the earth systems right like water and soil and and the ecosystem of of plants and things that grow so that when you get to the all beings Mm. level it's from the smallest microscopic form of life to life that seems inert to all of us humans in our, our minds and all those things. Um, so I feel like sh- she has taken that last one for all beings and just really elaborated it um, with her, with her poetry. And so for me that, so that, so that's how I understand Metta. And so I, I look at this as like that final fifth um, offering of Metta to all beings. Mm. I've never actually heard someone make explicit that insight that, when you reach the level of sort of wishing all beings well, you are inherently and innately wishing all of those other categories, including, and this is, and maybe we could talk about this a little bit, like including this piece around others that you experience as difficult. And that just feels so, I feel so alive to that, both the parts of me that resist that practice that want to kind of go like 
no, they, them, the other is the problem. And why would I extend grace to the problem? Like I can be aware of that. And then on the flip side, aware of how me doing that is the, is the creation of the very problem that I'm pointing towards. Like there's a sort of, I notice that tension inside of me, the desire to both like cross bridges and also keep apart. And the practice of wishing well uh, at that level of friction and then of all beings is really to truly do that as as an incredibly radical act, I feel like. And I wonder how you, how you're relating to that and your journey right now. It's a really, it's a really interesting question. I also feel like, of course, with everything, there are levels, you know? Um, So when I first learned meta practice, um, I was given the instruction to do it for myself for a year. A year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Before I started even going to loved ones. And um, I want, I think that that made everything else much easier because mm-hmm. when you are focused on metta for a difficult person, if you can hold your own experience with metta. So what you just said, right? Like if I don't want to entertain sending grace to someone I experience is difficult. A part of you is like, Hey, I'm also generating this distance between humans, Mm -hmm. right. Which is other than what I sort of the ethos that I might like to exemplify. So if you can see yourself like, and, and hold it in meta, then that could be okay while you move through whatever is in process. So the container of meta for ourselves makes all the other expressions possible, I think. Um, and I, I have done it for difficult people. And difficult is such a such a wide-ranging word because a difficult person could be someone you love and have had conflict with and you really want to resolve it. So you're trying to shift what's going on inside of you so you can hear them more clearly or be present with them in a different way. So some, you know, so sometimes that part that difficult person is because you're having challenges with someone you're quite invested in Mm -hmm. part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes I've also done it. Like when I learned this, um, it was George Bush was president. And so a lot of people would say, offer it to George Bush, like, which in a way is like, yeah, he was making war. He was a warmonger. It was after, you know, September 11th, there were a lot of things that felt wrong in the world that could be sort of attributed to some of his actions. But at the same time, there's no real, for me, personal charge between me and an elected leader. Mm. So you might experience them as someone difficult because you don't agree with them, but is there an emotional distance that you're trying to cross? So the idea of who's your difficult person could be, it's, it's so vast. Sometimes it's really personal. Sometimes it's mm. more intellectual, maybe. Mm. Mm. Um, but I also feel like, you know, it, Meta for difficult people, we have to also think about forgiveness practices. It's not just, it's not always just standalone. And as we always say, you you know, you're a facilitator like I am, that we do that for ourselves. Mm -hmm. We do that in a way to lighten the burden on our hearts of holding on to negative emotion directed at anyone. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't always mean that things are going to change for the dynamic we have with that person doesn't mean that person is going to change. Although, you know, perhaps they may over time by being Mm -hmm. the recipient of Mm -hmm. well wishes and goodwill, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't do it for any results other than our own peace of mind and expansiveness and capacity to generate compassion and and kindness. Um, But I, but I, but 
to get back to your original question, I do find that giving it to all beings is the most freeing part of the process for me, where I can sort of expand all parts of myself, like my imagination, my visualization, my heart, my feeling into the, the, the shared space, my, my language, like what I notice and what I don't notice. So I really enjoy that level of the practice. It's, it's expansive, it's all encompassing, and yet it can feel quite intimate and, and personal at the same time. Mm. As you started to kind of play with the intentionality behind it, which is, uh, as I heard you say, it's sort of rooted in an opportunity for us to take more agency in our own emotional experience and hold with compassion and hold lightly kind of our own pain and suffering and anger and fear and, and perhaps to even let it go so that we can show up in our lives more consciously and intentionally aligned with our values. Like, yes, beautiful. And like you're hinting at what you're hinting at about how it might impact others made me think of sort of the uh, Ubuntu philosophy of this idea that we create each other, you know, the sort of like, maybe also the, the difficulty that, and now maybe I'm thinking of some examples in my own life of like the difficulty I'm putting in that other person is actually being created by my projection of that difficulty into that other person. And that, and that, in fact, if I shift how I see that person by also shifting myself, really primarily by shifting myself, the change might, the very change that, that initially I might've wanted to happen by kind of forcing it on the other person to change. So I don't have to <laughs> actually arrives because suddenly there's a space, a perspective, a, a vantage point on that relationship that allows also the other person to show up, not as, de- not as defensive, not as, you know, kind of seeing me trying to fix them and, you know, like that kind of stuff. So like, there's a sort of uh, interplay and interconnectedness that the, this practice points towards too. I wonder how that lands I, I think so. I think so. And, and I think, I think it's always, that's why I'm always like, you know, you're not guaranteed results. It's not why we do it, but anyone who's practiced a long time has some stories to tell about results in all those different areas where like, there might be something to it, you know, Mm. Um, Mm. and still being open to and allowing whatever, whatever evolves, whatever emerges to be. Yeah. There's this like beautiful paradox that you both uh, soften attachment to any particular outcome. Just like I'm a person, they're a person, they're a being, I'm a being I can send, I like I'm worthy of love. They're worthy of love period. And like in that stance from, you cannot, we can almost hear it. Like imagine if more of us were, were seeing each other and greeting each other as worthy of love, especially when we didn't agree on this or that policy or this or that kind of way of being in the world like boy that would shift some conversations yeah Mm. yeah which is i you know i i love this meditation because it's so accessible and i feel like it really answers the the biggest questions that we have as humans you know like that fundamentally we all want the same things happiness peace health safety well-being we might have different ideas about what it's going to look like or how we go about getting those, <laughs> but you know, there's a fundamental, you know, if you look around the world, you can see like what happens when people don't have their fundamental needs met and, and like 
we can see that there's real need, mm. you know? So, mm. and we can see that we also don't <laughs> seem to have a mechanism in place to like address all of this. And so I wonder, you know, over the long trajectory of time, if these ideas will be the ones that are, allow us to shift and make different choices as culture, as societies. Yeah. I mean, sure. Just, just like, you know, Zenju Earthling Manuel is speaking like that's when I heard her, that prayer from her, when I heard you read that prayer, there was embedded in that prayer, a possibility of a, of a very different society than the one that, than the ones that we kind of find ourselves in now. So I like that there's something without getting too attached to that, without kind of forcing this, this practice to be anything other than, than what it is, there's something really beautiful to just even glimpse that as a different, as a different way of being for us as a species. It's pretty cool. It's a little respite just to read the poem and dwell there for a moment. Why do you think your teacher, uh, asked you to focus on yourself for a year. I was a bit like, whoa, a year. Like what was, what was important about that as a teaching? Do you think, or do you feel? You know, it's interesting because um, I, I, I know this was, this was about 2001. So it's been a long time and I had, I had learned it before and I had done it, but it was like, if you want to really understand this thing, you're going to have to spend some time just doing this and going deep with this part of it. Um, and I, I think that perhaps, I'm, and, I, and I'm not, I don't even remember which teacher it was. I was just going to like group sits and asking questions. And in mm-hmm. one of the the periods, this was the, it was the offering was given, like you could do this for yourself for a year and see what happens. And I kind of took that on like an assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, when I look back now and I think about where I was at, you know, in 2001 and um, things that were still healing and in ways that I was um, yeah, still figuring out myself and life that an older, wiser teacher might have just known like this work is going to be easier for anyone. If you have a good foundation of knowing yourself through all of your different moods and states. And if doing this for yourself for a year, you will see yourself show up in so many different ways. And it, it gives you that, that compassion and spaciousness mm-hmm. to be with mm-hmm. yourself as you are, because you've been through a whole bunch of different days and still come back to this practice over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm almost, uh, it's beautiful. I love that something in you saw in that offering an opportunity to really go deep. Um, gosh, 2001 sounds like, like, uh, ages ago. Isn't that funny? Uh, really amazing. I mean, you've, you've been working with these practices for like over two decades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's something, uh, there's something in that, that sort of time horizon that feels important. Let me see if I can touch into it. You know, I'm aware right now of a part of me that sort of, um, it's a very seeking part that, wants to find sort of the the key, wants to find the answer, wants to find the thing, the object, the practice that will like, there it is now. Oh, okay. Got it. Now there it is. And, um, you know, that implicit in that longing is sort of a, is, is an instant gratification is, is not a, is, is, is not like 
if you tell that part of me, well, Andy, the answer is just, there is no answer. You're just going to do this for decades and see what you discover for yourself. That part of me goes like, no, no, like meta meditation. I'll just do that for a day and, and that'll be it. And I wonder how you kind of relate to the journey implicit in decades of practice and, and also the beauty of like a moment where, where you experience a practice that shifts you and changes you along that journey. Well, you know, I, I, I latched onto Meta because I had a lot of unresolved um, things in my life. And I'll share one that I'm totally fine talking about. So um, I was estranged from my dad from age uh, 12 to 29 mm. Mm. after having been very close to my dad for my whole mm. up to that point. I was actually like daddy's little girl. We had a, there was a lot of conflict in my family. My parents were divorced. It was a little bit bitter. And I one time got caught in the middle and, and was very like frustrated and, and wanted my dad to do something that he wasn't able to do. And I was like, if you don't do this, I never want to see you again. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it like crushed my dad, broke mm. his heart. And he decided to let me live with the consequences of my words. <laughs> um, and I went through a lot of ups and downs with that. So when I came to Meta, I was trying to forgive him and I was trying to forgive myself. And so when I would sit for a little bit of Meta, I would feel some relief. And so I say I had started doing Meta um, probably maybe a year, two years before I actually saw my dad again, because he was, he was on my mind, obviously. It wasn't just gonna be like, oh, it's fine. If I never see my dad again, it'll be great. No, <laughs> it was like, I'm going to solve this riddle in my life for myself. And knowing my dad, I was like, I can't imagine that he's just sailing through life without me. Mm. I can't imagine that that's good for either of us. So I did my teacher training where I got to go deeper into everything. And then I moved to New York City, which is where my dad was living and where I wanted to live or to Brooklyn. I'm in Brooklyn. He was in New York City. And I started um you know, we're just connecting more with my practice and reached out to him. I, I just Googled him or whatever it was. It wasn't Google back then. It was probably, it might've been Yahoo <laughs> when it was a search engine. <laughs> Yahoo. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I, I reached out to him. Um, I don't know why I hadn't done that step before, but I guess I was finally ready and, and maybe the internet made it easier to find someone mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. hadn't seen in a while. And I called him and I sort of told him where I was at. And he was like, his heart was touched. And we met like two days later and we talked. And when I saw my dad, I was like, ooh, like time has gone by. He looks super stressed out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and like, he always was a gruff guy. And I was like, he's got this like wall up. I've got this wall up. Like, is this even good? It was really, it took some, it took, it took more skill, more yoga, <laughs> more meditation to just, to be with myself and all of my stuff that came up and to understand he's got stuff coming up and we're both really trying, you know, and over time we came into beautiful, harmonious reconnection. I have a brother who I didn't get to meet until he was seven and I love my brother to pieces. And so it, it all is a beautiful story. Um, and then in 2019, my dad got pancreatic cancer and he was, he was sick, very sick for eight months and he passed away. Um, but when he passed away, when he was in the phase where hospice tells you like he's actively dying, it's a matter of days, I was able to sit by him 
And in those moments, I did metta with him out loud for, mm. for him, for me. Mm. And so the point of this whole story is that when I started metta, I just wanted to feel a little bit better about the painful lack of communication with me and my dad. And it helped me and it kept helping me. And when it got to the point where my dad was dying, I was like, what if he would have reached out to me with his diagnosis? Like, what if I wouldn't have reached out all those years ago? Would I just learn, like, what would I have missed? What Mm. moments, Mm. Mm. you know, we got to, we got to make peace. Like we had made peace before, but in the last week of his life, we came to a deeper peace than I'd ever known. And so I got to resolve it and, and feel really as much as one can good about the way our life unfolded, you know, and I didn't know what the story was until that part of the story was over. Like that part of me and him, like he's still my dad, it goes on. But that biography of what it was like for us is complete. And I feel like it's a happy story. Um, and I feel like Meta and the, my practices are what allowed me to really heal that for myself, heal that with my dad. I'm sure my brother is benefiting by never having had to go through mm, any kind of weird mm, drama with us. Mm, mm, and we all came mm, together, you know, to make mm, sure the end of mm, my dad's life was full of dignity mm, and, and tranquility and peace as much as was possible. Thank you for sharing that, Monique. That's, um, what was your dad's name? Greg. Greg. Gregory. Mm, thanks for presencing him. And, you know, I'm in touch with, uh, that moment where you met each other and the armor was up and uh, and how that moment that the fragility and beauty and the kind of like, can we make contact, you know, and that, and I could imagine a world and probably this happens for many people where that the fragility of that crumbles, but I just like, I'm so grateful to you and to, and to him and to your brother and your family that it didn't crumble. And I'm really appreciating the sort of gentleness, but the commitment in your practice to sort of say like, yeah, this is, it's not about me sitting down and forgiving my dad in 10 minutes and then moving on. It's about being in touch very deeply with the many choices and losses that got us to this moment. And that will continue to unfold as we deepen our relationship and to then be able to sit with him as he passes is just, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's grace right there. And I, I have to give it all to the practice. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it was just the Dharma because I just, you know, like, I didn't know what to do. Mm. You know, I had mm. good teachers and I listened and mm. I did the things that they said. And then I figured out a few little things and that's it, you know? Wow. Mm. I wonder, the, uh, intuition is telling me that this might be a moment where we listen to the, one of the songs that you brought. And just kind of let that land. Does that feel that feel good right now? Yes, that would feel great. Yeah. <laughs> Does the Valerie June song still feel like the one to try out, or is there another song that you're in touch with now? It does, and I'll tell you why too. Is because uh, my dad was a huge Van Morrison fan, mm. and so what's that? Isn't there that album Astral? Astral Weeks. Astral Weeks. And this yeah. song is called Dancing on the Astral Plane. I don't know. It just feels like the Ooh. right song. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So let me see if I can suss out the uh, technicalities here and I'll share it momentarily. Okay. Here we go. Valerie June, Astral Plane. Is 
is there a light you have inside you can't touch a looking glass can only show you so much follow the signs slowly but steady don't rush the day will come when you're ready just trust dancing on the astral plane holy water cleansing rain floating through the stratosphere remind me you see so clear is there a way she's channeling a lot of james brown because that song always puts me on the good foot <laughs> feel my feet back on the ground yeah soul reaching up to the heavens i love mm. that mm. so my first time hearing it that is a, that is a song right there that is a song 
What are you in touch with right now as you hear that in this moment and in our conversation? I think it's like what what practice does for me is that I move through the the rain into the sun after the rain. You know, it was it wasn't we weren't expecting to talk about that. And so I certainly felt, you know, just the um, emotion and not sad or anything, just felt emotion, energy moving through me. Um, And so that song sort of lifted me up, made me connect to transcendence and joy and spoke to like, maybe I don't know what's going on, but I'm doing the best. (laughs) It's sort of what I take away from it. Blind, but yet you see so clear. I'm like, yes. Mm. thank you mm. for speaking to me mm. um and so that's what it that's when i say it puts me back on the good foot it's like okay i'm here and i've got all this stuff going on and i'm breathing and i'm feeling and i'm trusting i'm not rushing i'm just bringing my full self into mm. this moment mm. that's how i feel when i hear that song mm. yeah it's a go- it's a gorgeous invitation into that to to there's a line in there something about sort of like see the dream we're dreaming and to like wake up to that dream and also to like be compassionate for that dream like there's a very gentle like i experiences a very gentle loving reach out to say come on this is you too come dance up here on this plane and i think that's a big part of it too it is it is about the collective too right it's like mm. Mm. there's me and and I don't know everything she says like um from other worlds and you can't say what keeps you here like that we're all on an astral journey we're all Mm. trying to figure this Mm. thing out and it can feel very individual yet we all do come together um yeah the lyric is beautiful the 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 music is beautiful and then if you if you do watch the video um there's a beautiful part you see a lot of different things of nature so again that idea of interconnected you know there's like a butterfly emerging from a cocoon and there's you know stars in the sky and then there's at the end all these different faces just emerge so it's like we are all one is at the foundation of that and i just love that that ethos that idea that possibility you know i'm in touch with um Thank you for that. I actually had my eyes closed and I I opened them at the end and saw that last piece of the video, which is this beautiful kind of like a person's face and then using some kind of editing effect, that person's face kind of blurs and another person's face appears. And you see both how unique and beautiful these faces are one after the other, after the other, and also how, how the same they are one after the end or the other, despite, despite the the specific features changing is a really lovely effect. And, and what you just said about all of us being all of us, like literally all of us being on an astral journey, you know, that uh, there's a couple of ways we could play with that. But one thing I want to underline here on earth day, which of course every day is earth day, (laughs) like for us here on earth, (laughs) but like here on this, this hot, this day where we celebrate the, being that is our planet that gave birth to us and that we live on. I mean, this, we are literally traveling through space, through the stars, the astral plane. Like we are, we have a star that's carrying us. That's we're wildly spinning around as that star flies through space as the whole Milky way flies through space. And it's, uh, there's something really humbling and joyful uh, for me whenever I get in touch with that, perspective 
on what's act what really is real. Yeah, I, I think sometimes, yeah, we, we're like, we're terrestrial, we're on earth, we look out at the stars, like, what would it be like to travel through space? And it's like, we are. Yeah. <laughs> what literally, like. like, we literally are. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So you're going to get to uh, perform with maybe even by the time some people hear this, you will have performed with Valerie June. Is that right? That is right. So I'm a member of the Resistance Revival Chorus. Mm. We are a group of like 60 plus women, non-binary people, femmes, and we come together. We sing songs that are intended to uplift and motivate people. We borrow music from protest traditions like the the labor movement, the women's movement, the Mm. civil rights movement. Mm. And then we also partner with artists who, you know, whose work resonates with us. And so Valerie June um, has a song on our album, Mm. a beautiful song. And so she, she has invited us to perform with her. Um, She's doing a a concert on May 4th at town hall in New York city. And we're going to sing some backup for her, which Uh. I'm really excited about. (laughs) I really wish I could be at that. That sounds so cool. So tell a a, a bit more about this, um, the Resistance Revival Chorus. Uh, Like, how did you find your way to it? What's what's important to you about being part of it? It Sounds pretty powerful. So it's an interesting story. I was invited to it by a dear friend. Um, Her name is is Moist Paula. That's her musician name. And she was my yoga student when I first moved to Brooklyn. And uh, we became close friends. She's a, a, a saxophone player and she plays in a lot of bands. And I ended up seeing a lot of the band she was in. I was like, you're in this band. I love this band. I love music. We got to talking and she understood. I was like really into music, but a little shy. And uh, over the years, she'd seen me heard me sing and stuff and it was like you should you should do more and then she was in the chorus she's like I think this is the right place for you you'll be part of the community and just mm-hmm. have a lot of fun and make music with really amazing people so in 2018 I joined the chorus um, which was started in 2016 as a sort of response to uh, President Trump being elected and and people wanting to like voice what was really important to them and voice it in a way that was joyful, Mm. creative, Mm. inviting, Mm. uh, rooted in community and really celebrating um, the world we dream together. And so that's how the chorus started. And, you know, um, we're, we made our adjustments to stay connected during COVID and it feels really good. You know, we've had, we've had plenty of opportunities in the last few months to be out in the world, making music with people again. It feels mm. amazing mm. to get back. Mm. I, uh, at some point in the midst of this, these blurry two plus years, uh, I would sometimes find myself awake late at night. Uh, and one place I sought, sought solace was listening to live music. And, um, I knew you were in this course, but I hadn't yet listened to any of the music of the course. And I was going down an Ani DeFranco rabbit hole because she's sort of uh, uh, just an amazing songwriter and hero of mine. And then suddenly there was the Resistance Revival Chorus with Ani DeFranco. And then there you were. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is so cool. And it was, uh, I mean, it was like, it brought me to tears to see, to hear and see the power of this group of of human beings singing in that joyful way and i just uh 
So I just want to kind of celebrate uh, that, like as one tiny person who's heard a little bit of it only on YouTube, it was really, really beautiful and touching. Thank you for that. And, you know, we, we, we get a lot of those moments, like singing with Ani DeFranco, we're all like geeked out and, and you know, fan, <laughs> fanning and everything. Um, and she just could not have been more gracious and just wonderful, warm to work with. So it's it, every, every interaction with the chorus is just a complete joy. I, I, and also I have to say too, that the chorus is a very intentional community, like the way we are together, the way we show up, the way we treat each other, the way we resolve conflict. Like we are just very intentional. Nothing happens by accident. And it's just been a, it's really like a social experiment too, kind of along the things that we've been talking about, like, this is how we want to be together, you know, and we get to create that for ourselves and each other. And so as much as it's wonderful when I get to go out and people get to see the chorus in public performing, um, our community and the way it nourishes each of us Mm, mm. is like, it's, you know, we are so there for each other in ways that really matter. And it is just, it's just the most amazing um, vibe. And what I want to say is that when the chorus started, they put out a workbook for anyone who wants to create their own chorus. So if you're wanting community, if you like to sing, if you want to use your voice to talk about things that you care about, like um, I'm sure we'll put some links in there, start a chorus where you are. There's about six or seven around the country, maybe more at this point. And many, many more uh, could could be born in this time. So I mm. hope folks will take mm. that up. Mm. I definitely will make sure to include that uh, as a link in the show notes for this conversation, along with uh, the music we listen to, your performance with Ani, uh, looks like another song with Valerie that's recorded. So that's all really sweet. Um, but I'm, I'm like getting really curious as you share that. I, I think I want to like pull on two threads and... Maybe we won't have time for both, but I'll name them both and then let you choose which one you want to pull on first. One is this um, thread of someone like seeing a glimmer in you and kind of gently but persistently kind of like, hey, like, come on, sing some more. Come out, like, come over here. Like, to be seen and invited is a really beautiful and special thing. And what a gift that your, uh, that your friend gave you to do that and your student gave you. And then there's also this, this you said, and you alluded to it, like we are a really intentional community. And you talked about how that shows up and how you care for each other and resolve conflicts. And I'd actually like to like understand that community more too, if we have time, like what it actually, what those intentions look like when they're expressed. So I'm curious if either one of those threads feel uh, juicy to you to like pull on first. Um, I want to, I want to speak about the first one, just to clarify something that I think actually connects back. So um, Paula was my student and and I've always wanted to teach yoga the way I was taught, which I was taught, like, here's what you do when you go home and do your own practice. (laughs) And then I like to teach people like that too, actually. Um, Because I'm a bit of an introvert. I can't imagine having to carry people for their whole yoga life. I Mm. want you to get what you need and then Mm. go do something amazing with Mm. it. And so Paula probably studied with me for five years. Like I said, this was started in 2001, Mm. right? Mm. Then she went on and she got super into Kundalini yoga. And then she like did all this amazing stuff and like turned her whole life around. And through that, we were all friends, but we, she hasn't been my student for a really long time. So Mm. it feels like we are 
colleagues, peers. And I will say this, that I feel like anyone who's been in my yoga class, it's like, you're going to know me differently than people that just hang out with me. Cause I'm going to share as a teacher, I'd be like, if you've seen me teach yoga, like there's a a vulnerability, uh, like a realness that doesn't come up many other places in my mm-hmm. my life, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I feel like people who connect with me when I'm teaching the possibility of like connection, meaningful connection is there. And she and I happen to really, also, I cannot say how I'm, deeply I respect her in, in so many ways. And she's also gifted and talented. And I've, I've learned just as much from her as she's learned from me. So just wanted to clarify like how I teach and, and how the friendship evolved because it, it feels important to, yeah, to speak about that. Friendship is so deeply meaningful mm. <laughs> and mm. community. And so I um, wanted to speak about that. So what I would say succinctly is that the chorus was started by a group of friends. So the idea of friendship being at the foundation of of this as opposed to any other motivation a group of friends who were also actively organizing um, around other issues so they brought in the ethos of friendship and activism and organizing so it was always sort of intended to be something that had impacts beyond you know the, the circle of folks who were most immediately involved mm-hmm. and i think what was really beautifully done and I came in once it had already been established was that as it grew, there was this real horizontality where like we would vote on everything and every new member had as much voice as everyone who'd been there all along. And so, Mm. and then we just are adding some new folks now and continuing Mm. and be like, what do new people need? What? And so there's just, there's no hierarchy. Like people do have roles and they do the things that they are assigned to do. I feel like, you know, it has, you know, sometimes it might, there might be something that feels a little sticky between folks, or maybe there's an issue that we're not aligned on and we'll vote on things. So if we get a gig and the corporate sponsor is someone that's not aligned with our values, we've said no to gigs Mm, like that. mm, mm. Um, And we do, we have a rapid response arm so that if there's a gig that's really close to our hearts and there's no money involved, we'll see who is going to show up for that. We always show up for that. Mm, So it mm. really is. um, And what I think is most power and any of us can say, Hey, I've got a thing going on. You think anyone from the chorus would be able to come out and sing for this event or and less so events than like actions that are important to us. So, you know, I think it's that everyone is empowered and it's not a hierarchical structure. It's very horizontal. And those are the systems that allow it to be intentional and to, to be responsive in the moment to who's present, what we need and how we're working together. Mm. Mm. It sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And there's music on top of it. Yeah. And you get to like sing and, and make beautiful sounds together. How, you know, so it's been about a four year journey for you in this, in this community. What's your sense of how that's impacted you or, or how that shaped you over these past few years? Well, um, I've learned a lot about like other, like, issues that affect other groups that maybe I wasn't as connected to, but am no less committed to. So there's a constant growth and expansion because so many other folks are contributing their awareness to the Mm. collective. It's also been amazing to have this community of friends. Like 
when my father passed away, they were just very mm. supportive, like emotionally supportive and present for me. We were actually recording the album during that time. And it was important to me to be on the album because my dad and I also shared a love of music mm. and people knew I was like in a place and just held me. And I, I shared with you before we got on here that in the last year, there have been three chorus babies, which also yeah. feels amazing to celebrate new life and new moms and new families blossoming. And so it really is a community of women. And I, some of us were, there's a few folks in there I knew before I joined the chorus, there are some folks we've definitely connected. And so it, it feels like one of those things that's like, I'm sure there'll be some lifelong connections in mm. here mm. and um, camaraderie. Mm. So yeah, it, it's just, it has grown me. It has given me, it has soothed me when things are really difficult. Um, it has allowed me to just have a place in, in the conversations. Mm. Mm. I really look forward to the opportunity to, to hearing and seeing you all perform in person at some point. Um, but I'm just like really appreciating the presence that you're bringing around it the we're we're approaching our time boundary soon and and um you know so maybe we'll have time to pull on one or two more threads here but i'm i'm in touch with the thing i'm sort of in touch with and curious about and this is a bit classic for me if you listen to my other episodes i often like arrive an hour in at like oh here's a big question to ask <laughs> and then we have like you know 5 minutes left or something but i'm just in touch with like this beautiful uh time horizon that you have brought us into today that I, I experienced you having brought us into the sort of 20 year time horizon, the astral cosmic time horizon, the sort of, you know, like intergenerational time horizon, you know, a lot of this, like the story, even of the group evolving and how, what it's becoming, there's sort of this, this quality of unfolding that I'm in touch with today as a, as a result of the gift of your presence and our time together. And and so like a, in a playful, gentle way, I'm like curious if you have any intuitions about, about how your practice, like if, if we were to interview Monique 20 years from now, you know, like, do you have a sense of what she might point to and go like, oh yeah, I'm really grateful Monique 20 years ago made that choice or said yes to that or leaned into that. Uh, do you have any sense of that? Hmm. That is a big, big question. I feel like <laughs> what I'm what I'm thinking about, which isn't quite form, is um, I think a lot about how to make things make changes that will last mm. and change the future. So, for example, you know, I've I've done some yoga teaching in schools, mm -hmm. and I always look at it like, who knows which of these young people is going to, you know, have a have a heart, have a vision that shifts the way, you know, or, or maybe enough young people who are like, no, nah, we don't want any more war in this world. And we're just not going to do that. Like mm. who knows. Right. Mm. So as a teacher, mm. you often have a long view of things, mm. right? Like, you, and, and, and I've been teaching at, you know, before teaching yoga, like as much as I did, I taught high school. So I've had the wonderful good fortune to see some of my high school students as young adults run into them in New York and tell me how they're living their, their, their dream or doing what they wanted to do, or like they still are grateful about it. So it's so beautiful. So I think the teacher in me is still just hoping that I will in 20 years be able to look back on my work and see that I planted seeds mm. that took mm. root in that they grew into something. Mm. Mm. But not more specific than that, but that's my heart's longing. That's beautiful. 
that feels plenty specific. I can imagine the joy in that, the joy that you experience now from your younger students who are now older and the joy that you might experience decades from now as the people who've heard your music or taken your classes or, you know, studied with you and apprenticed to you might, you know, like there's just so much possibility there. And uh, it feels connected to to the Zenju poem that you read at the beginning, this sort of possibility space. Yeah, mm. yeah that feels that feels real to mm. me. Mm. I wonder as we wrap up, is there uh, something you'd like to close us out with? There is, and and on Earth Day as well, because it was special to me knowing ahead of time that we would talk on Earth Day. However, however, it came up, and it has come up a few times. So I'd like to close with some words from Dr. Ronald McNair, mm. who was an astrophysicist and an astronaut. And like you and I, also a musician mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, did a lot of cool stuff in his life. Um, he passed away on the space shuttle Challenger explosion. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, I um, became interested in him because I actually happened to be homesick from school that day and saw it. And then years later was like, what was that about? And started reading about the different folks and, and mm-hmm. found him to be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, here's a quote from him that I just love. Um, And he says, my wish is that we would allow this planet to be the beautiful oasis that she is and allow ourselves to live more in the peace she generates. Wait, let me say that again without the uh, spoken typo. (laughs) My wish is that we would allow this planet to be the beautiful oasis that she is and allow ourselves to live more in the peace she generates. Mm. 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 Thank you for that. Monique, this has been, I kind of constantly have to pinch myself that I get to have these kinds of conversations with um, beautiful humans like you. So thank you for showing up so authentically and generously today and so open to wherever we might go. Uh, This has been a real pleasure. Thank you, Annie. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to see you again. And I look forward to the next time we're like in the real world together. I know. I hope that comes soon. But if and when it comes, I look forward to it. Before I we wrap up, if for folks listening, I'll be sure to include all this stuff in the show notes. But if anyone listening wants to go learn more about your work, uh, where should what's the best place to send them to? Uh, the best place would be to my website or my Instagram. Uh, and the, my website is omsociety.yoga. Mm. Hmm. And my Instagram is Om Society Yoga. Brilliant. Well, here's to all of us finding more of the peace that this planet is always generating for us. Thanks for bringing your gifts to the world and to the Wonder Dome today. Thank you, Andy. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Wonder Dome. This podcast was produced by me, Andy Cahill, with support from Kelly Serqua and audio editing and engineering services from Jim Sirqua at Sump Pump Studios. The theme song was written and performed by Todd Marston. You can find the Wonder Dome wherever pods are casted. If you dig what we're doing here, please share widely, subscribe, and give us some love in the review boards. And if you feel called to support this humble offering to the world, while also making an even greater impact in the lives of others, consider becoming a monthly supporter. Not only will you help me keep the lights on and keep the show going for as long as I'm able, but 30% of all member contributions go directly in support of causes like the Black Lives Matter movement, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and the National Resources Defense Council. 
You can find out more at my website, mindfulcreative.coach, where you can also sign up for my newsletter, learn about my transformational coaching work, and get plugged into exclusive offers and community happenings. In the meantime, I'm wishing you a life of purpose, power, and presence. We need you now, more than ever.